Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For the first time, we go green. Is Heifel going to fancy a look into the last corner of the race? Heifel goes to the inside line and they make contact and they're both off. We have our first solo Formula E podcast, uh, just because it's coming into such a massive round. My name's Josh. I'm Brinson. Um, yeah, in the past, we've teamed up our Formula E podcast with Formula One, just because it's kind of a, a junior series um, yeah. with some big F1 names. Yeah, cross relevance there, yeah. But um, oh, i tell you what, coming into this doubleheader finale, it's got a lot more drama than the F1 season has. Yeah, and especially in Australia, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to find coverage of Formula E, um, and even you're trying to... Use the illegal route. It's even harder to find there. So, <laughs> oh, Channel Ten are giving me the shits. No, yeah. they they play them, but it might be at three pm on the next Wednesday or some bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Or just completely go over them. So we've been trying to keep abreast of the season, and it's been an action-packed season as well. So we think there's a lot of value in this series, the in its inaugural season. So we're trying to keep abreast of what's been happening, and it's come to a really big conclusion with a double header in London to decide a championship. Yeah, and if, if you're new to Formula E, just uh, pretty much imagine Formula One, but with all electric cars, yeah, a little bit slower, but uh, some things they have that F1 don't are crazy car swapovers because the, the battery that they've been using won't last the whole race. Yeah, So around the halfway mark, you see drivers pull in, jump out of the car, jump in a new one, and go off. They do have minimum pit stop times, so you, if you're able to have a quick release, it doesn't really help any. Yeah, But uh, we have seen... Well, if you can get off a quick release and a pit stop, then hey, more power to you. Yeah. Oh. Whatever works for you. Yeah. But we have seen a couple of drivers stay longer because they misread the rules. Um, Elaine Prost's son, yep. <laughs> Nicholas, and uh, Buemi both had that happen to them. Uh, less than happy with that, they were. Yeah, and there's been a few things they've been less than happy about this season. So, yeah. Yeah. But it, for a, a first season of a series, it is spectacular. It's been excellent. Um, I sort of started watching pretty much because it was a weekend that there was no F1 on. Yeah, um, yeah. And the the racing has been fantastic. Um, drivers aren't afraid to get involved a bit, yeah. but uh, it's a, a very much a reward for daring yeah. in a lot of these tracks. I, I explain it as a cross between go-karting and uh, remote-controlled cars. It's almost like you've got the electric wine of the old RC cars and we used to mm. fly them around the track, and you've got the craziness of go-karts. Yeah, and you get to see some drivers that you haven't seen in a long time, or yeah. some drivers that missed out, like... a. Aldiswari, Jean-Eric Ravern. Yep. Had some up-and-comers. Yeah. Like uh, Nicholas Prost, uh, Matthew Brabham had a yep. couple of races. Uh, it was pretty unfortunate. Yep. But, um, yeah, well, heading into the doubleheader, we'll we'll talk about uh, that first and then go over the season a bit. Yep. Sounds good. So, unlike F1, uh, there's 11 rounds in Formula E, but only the top 10 count. That's right. Yeah. So, they used to do that back in the day. Um, I think Prost actually won and lost a driver's championship based on that countback system. But uh, the contenders we've got, uh, Sam Bird for Virgin Racing on 68 points, Jerome D'Ambrosio for Dragon Racing on 77, 
Nicholas Prost on Edam's Renault for eight, on 82 points. Sebastian Buemi, Edam's Renault on 102 points. Luca Degrassi, Audi ABT, 111. And Nelson Piquet Jr., Nextel uh, Team China Racing, on 128, leading the pack. Um, Nelson Piquet Jr. is kind of a poison chalice, that lad. His reputation at the moment is always going to be tainted by his uh, crashing out for Renault. Yeah, I think following that, he might have had a stint in stock cars, I think. Mm. He went over uh, to NASCAR to try and... I'm guessing you couldn't find a seat in Europe for him. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, he had a crash with... Well, he didn't have a, he have a crash with, but he helped uh, Fernando Alonso win a race. Um, yeah, if you're new to open wheel racing, he, uh, he crashed on behalf of his teammate to bring out a safety car to bring Fernando Alonso back into the race. Um, and then a couple of years later, when contract negotiations were up and they said... Nelson, you uh, you aren't going to get one. He went running to the to the media, and yeah, pretty much that finished his Formula One career. Yeah, but um, yeah, we'll run through the drivers. Uh, one other thing about Formula E, they give points for pole position. They give three points, and they give two points for the fastest lap. I have no idea why F one doesn't do this. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, me too. I like the idea of rewarding people for the work they're doing. Well. And F1 would be a Saturday, but here it's all done on the same day. So the work they've done yeah. prior to the race. Well, I think um, with F1 especially, towards the end of the race, it often becomes a procession. Yep. But if you've got drivers eking out every point, you'll see the top 20 all putting in blistering qualifying laps, especially if you're sitting around you know, 12th, 13th, and you've got no chance of making points. Yeah. Fuck it, stop in, put some new fresh boots on, yep. and try and go hell for leather. And I mean, some of those uh, smaller teams where a point can mean hundreds of millions of dollars, well, not hundreds of millions, hundreds of thousands <laughs> or millions of dollars at the end of the season in prize money, it's almost worth sort of juicing the fuck out of your engine and trying to get points on the Saturday as opposed to pretty much having no chance on the Sunday. Yeah, I think you've got to... Um, you'd have to specify they had to finish the race to do that, otherwise people just wind up the cars yep. to buggery and, <laughs> you know, oh, fuck it, crash, whatever. You know, qualifying would be a race unto itself, you know, you have mm. two who would do qualifying and be like, yeah, I'm not interested in the race, just going out. <laughs> but they'd be taking a 10-place grid penalty every week, just trying to get the fastest lap, wouldn't matter. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, it means that because it's a double header, um, there's 60 points on offer all weekend, so 25 for the win, and three for pole, two for fastest lap on each um, each race. Yeah, I think the the rundown of points from first to tenth is the same as Formula One, I yes. believe. Yeah, yeah. It's only the difference with the qualifying pole and fastest lap that'll get you some points. Yeah. Um, so here in Australia, the the race starts at four p.m. Saturday and Sunday in London. Uh, here in Australia, that's one a.m. Yeah, so uh, su- Sunday morning, and Sunday Monday morning, morning, Monday morning, one a.m. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to watch Sunday night and Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you've also got qualifying groups. Uh, they start at midday. So four hours earlier, which brings it back to 9 p.m. So you'll have a good 45 minutes of, or 45 to an hour of watching some decent qualifying as well. Yeah, well, if you're just coming home, you can watch a bit of qualifying, have a nap or kick on straight through, crack a beer and watch the E-Pre. Yeah. And uh, the other thing too uh, about Formula E that has detractors and proponents is the fan boost. Um, yeah. If you're not aware what it is, if you're a fan of a driver, you can... Uh, log into the Formula E website, give them a vote, yeah. and the top few votes get a boost in power that they can use any time of the race. Yeah. I think it's a good initiative to get fan involvement in Formula E, but it's a bit gimmicky, I think. Yeah, uh, I, 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 like, I like the involvement, but I don't like what it does that way. I, I, I think it 
cheapens the race a bit. Yeah, and you're giving someone uh, an unfair advantage based on nothing to do with talent at all. Yeah, it's a bit of Hunger Games. Yeah, I think um, I think John Eric Verne gets it every week, just about. Yeah, everyone feels sorry for the poor fuck. But um, look, if they want to involve that sort of shit, I, I, I don't know a, a better way of doing it, but yeah. I just think something that doesn't compromise the race. Yeah, exactly. I think there's other things you could do to get the fans involved. I mean... That'll do something starting off from scratch, and that's what they decided. And I guess it's been successful with people sort of having interest in following a, a driver as well as a team. So it has its merits for a year, but I think it's time knocking on the head. Mm. Well, look, you know, good on for trying these sort of things. Yep. Um, like I said, they're a young series, so they're going to make mistakes. Yep. But, jeez, uh, I've got a lot right. Yeah. But um, look, we'll go through the drivers. Yep. Um, oh, before we do, uh, Al Jaswari, that a lot of people follow from F1. Uh, he won't be competing this weekend because uh, he had really? dehydration and he was fainting. Really? And they revoked his super license um, until he gets examined. So he's not going to be able to pass it in time, so his season's done. Isn't he a DJ as well? Yeah. I'm pretty so, sure maybe he was out hitting the... He's on the pingers or something all weekend. He hasn't had too much water and he's coming and, ah, it's all good, I'll still drive. Well, he wouldn't be the only Formula E driver to do that, but uh, we'll go through that a little bit later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll start with Sam Bird. Yeah, we'll start with the, the bottom of the people who are... Still in a sniff for the championship, but unlikely to get there. Yeah. Sandbird's on 68 points. Um, he would be not one you'd have money on, um, simply because it's going to take a lot of effort for him to get there. Yeah. Uh, for him to win the championship, he'd yep. need to take both poles, win both races, get both fastest laps, and PK and Degrassi need to pretty much crash out, and Boemi needs to finish... You know, fifth or worst. Yeah, so it's going to be the miracle or... He's an English lad, so maybe a bit of home court advantage here. You get through people, people to throw a few <laughs> spike strips out or something. Uh, maybe he, it was a crack. He needs to be driving a bulldozer, pretty much. But, I mean, he's very experienced in open wheel racing. He came through sort of your um, general European uh, system of uh, Formula 3. He did GP2. Um, did Formula Renault 3.5. Uh, he also tested with Mercedes F1. Um, came second in the GP2 season in 2013 with um, five wins. And for those that aren't sure, GP2 is one of the, the next closest feeder series for Formula 1. And the cars aren't that much slower than the Formula 1 cars these days. So it's legitimate racing. And he's definitely mm. got the talent, but with that with that requirement of what he needs to win this championship, unlikely, I'd say. Uh, by all accounts, uh, when he was test driving at Mercedes, he was right up there. And it just so happened that they've got two brilliant drivers that they couldn't really... Yep. Uh, put out to pasture because of it yeah but um you know look he's experienced um but i I can't see him doing much no uh, i mean on this weekend if he does win it means it's going to be a goddamn exciting race weekend yeah i mean to his credit he's got one win in malaysia in round two and one fastest lap in argentina in round four but he does have three dnfs um that's what hurts him yeah and dns were a common occurrence uh for this season mainly because the aggressiveness of the drivers which not necessarily, well, some of them are unsafe, but most of them are race incidents and not too much damage, but it's good to see, you know. There's obviously many fans that don't enjoy the occasional crash for a bit of uh, spectator excitement. Oh, yeah, and the good thing too, though, there wasn't a lot of mechanical retirements. You didn't see a lot of engines breaking. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, for emerging technology, is pretty amazing. I think uh, yeah. next year you might see a few more because there's going to be eight new constructors. Yep. Uh, which, you know, if you follow F1, there's going to be two next yeah. year and that's a bumper year but uh, eight new constructors wanting to get involved in Formula E that says it all right there yeah exactly and I mean I think it's it's good for 
not only sort of open wheel racing but for the drivers because f1 is such a the pointy end of racing and there's a lot of drivers in there who are there with cash not with skill so you yeah. want so you want uh, another open wheel racing league that has potential to get there and i think they're planning on opening up development um as sort of the seasons progress slowly so mm. they do it right and attract the the right teams they need and yeah, i think it's got a real promising future well one of the problems with electric cars has always been battery life yeah. Because um, otherwise, they're a fantastic idea. Battery life and refueling time. Because um, with an electric motor, you get loads of down in, down end torque, low down torque. So you've got instant power. There's no building up the revs. Yeah. Uh, it's just straight up. But uh, if you've got to charge it up overnight, every time you drive more than a couple hundred K, yep. it's a struggle. Um, especially because the battery packs weigh shit tons. Yeah. But uh, we're seeing with uh, Tesla now, they're making much smaller battery packs. Yep. And it, it's entirely possible in the next few years we're going to see similar weights to Formula One. Yep. And if they can do that, you know, who's to say they can't get similar timing? Yeah, well, I think they definitely, I think absolutely 100% get there. It's just a matter of when. But, um, yeah, it's just a matter of improving battery technology, isn't it? Really? Well, here's, a, here's a question, though. If Formula E outperforms Formula One, which one's the premier series then? Well... I think they could be concurrent and Formula One can go back to mainly combustion engines and they can take some technology that's been developed by mm. Formula E. I think Formula E can progress to sort of where, when you see sort of Ferrari develop those... Um, oh, the Icon Project cars. The Icon Project cars. I think they're, they're... fucking gorgeous. Yeah, I think that's what Formula E cars are probably going to end up looking like more opposed to Formula One. I think I'd like to see mm. Formula One go back to combustion, give them fucking V10s. Not as an historic series, but... I think they should stay down that route and you can let Formula 1 develop the electronic side of, of engines and there'd be some sort of cross-promotion. There's no reason why you couldn't mm. have, let's say, a Honda in F1 and a Honda in um, Formula E. Well, no, that's what I was going to mention too. It, it makes entirely uh, a shit ton of sense. If you're, say, Williams, for example, who aren't particularly tied to anything, um, yeah. if they want to run a team in Formula E, certainly can. It would be a logistical fucking nightmare. Yep. But... Uh, it would make amazing amounts of sense to have a feeder series yeah. that's very similar to F1 and you can try out your junior drivers or, yep. you know, try out a driver you've been wanting to see for a while. Yeah. It would make a lot of sense, uh, especially Williams because they do have their emerging technologies division, yep. which are doing bloody well. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be an amazing series to watch. So get in on the ground floor and get an idea of what's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, But uh, we'll move on. Uh, the next driver we've got is Jerome D'Ambrosio for Dragon Racing. Um, that's the other thing too, Dragon Racing uh, and Nextev TCR. We're yep. seeing a fair bit of Chinese influence. We are. Um, China hasn't really had Grand Prix driver of note in no. in the high-end series. No. But they're trying to get involved more and more. Um, I think as a, a manufacturer, it can... Lee lend um, legitimacy because at the moment Chinese cars are a joke most stuff coming out of China is a joke let's yeah. be honest when it comes to <laughs> sort of uh, durability and quality yeah I mean if you buy a car Sanyong or um, you know or some of their other brands Great Wall Great Wall never seen one on the road ever oh, I have but it's generally pea plater tradies who can't afford anything else and then when it breaks down they get to fix it oh, fair enough uh, so it's hands on learning I suppose mm. but yeah it's um they're shit. Yeah. But prior to uh, F1's involvement with Japan, like with Honda, uh, 
I was about to say Mercedes, Honda, Mazda, um, a few of the other brands, Toyota. Uh, a lot of those cars were considered the same. They were jokes. Yeah. But um, look, China's trying to get involved there. Um, they're not really uh, drawing to a particular manufacturer yet, but it could it could elevate their cars. Hopefully, they'll build them a bit fucking better first. But yeah, I mean, it could. But I think the the main thing will be private investment from China. Um, I don't think it'll probably have that much effect on their road cars for the immediate future. But I think private investment coming from there, um, it's going to be a good thing. But you still like to see uh, even spread across um, Europe, Asia, Middle East, and you like to see one in Australia too. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had that since Brabham. And even then, it was mainly in the UK. But anyway, we'll go back to D'Ambrosio. Um, he's got only one win, which was in round eight in Germany. Yep. And that was the one that was handed to him. Uh, Luca de Grassi won the race uh, by seven and a half seconds, so yeah. it was quite handy there. But uh, unfortunately, he got uh, DQ'd because of his front wing. Um, the report on that stated that uh, in post-race scrutineering, they found that uh, the, the repairs they'd done to his front wing yeah. were illegal. And one of the big things was he closed off the holes in the canards in the front of it where yep. you can adjust the levels. Yep. And they're saying that gives an aero advantage. I don't reckon it's seven and a half seconds of aero advantage over the race. But, yeah. you know, f- to their credit, they've gone, well, here's the rule. Nah. Not happening. They didn't give him a time penalty. They just said, no, you are done. Yep. Uh, which, you know, for, again, for a new series, you've got to lay down those sort of rules early. Yeah. So from now on, anytime someone wants to try and push things a little bit, which they all do, but, uh, yep. you know, they would probably err on the side of caution. Well, you're definitely going to make you think twice when the consequences are being excluded, and especially someone who, you know, you'd hope to be fighting for a title next year as well. So, mm. I mean, that? you know, you look at that, had he won the race... Uh, He's in a position to challenge because it put him on 100 points, essentially. Yeah. Um, which would mean he'd just have to have a decent weekend to win rather than a pretty much impossible one. Yeah, he'd have a few um, things to fall back on where if he now he needs absolutely everything to go his way, whereas before he could be afforded one or two mistakes if he had won that race. But, yeah. I mean, Ambrosio's Belgium, I think, coming out of Belgium for um, Dragon. He's had a history in Formula 1. He got the drive for Virgin when they took over from... Were they Marussia or whatever they called themselves before that one? Um, that was in 2011. Um, uh, then he was reserve driver for Lotus after that. Uh, mm. They ended up going with someone else at Virgin. And the only race he had then was when Grosjean was excluded for a race for some crazy first lap antics where he's bashing into someone, I'm sure. Uh, Grosjean. Crazy motherfucker. But um, yeah, for D'Ambrosio to win, he needs both wins and at least one pole or fastest lap. Yep. And PK needs to just crash out both races, and Grass and Buemi need to pretty much finish out of the to the bottom end of the points. Yeah, in both races and not get any poles or fast lap. So you're not putting any money on this happening. Yeah, uh, I think even D'Ambrosio's family would sort of uh, be keeping the money in the pocket. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure that would be too. But uh, speaking of money in the pocket, we'll move on to Nicholas Prost because uh, you know his old man could drive a bit. Well, he was known to turn a turn a wheel or two in anger. Yeah, Elaine Prost, obviously world champion. Um, Nicholas has shown a lot. Like, uh, the race I saw him win, which was... I think it was the second one, was it? Uh, round five Miami. Uh, Miami. He won that one. Yep. Uh, he didn't put a foot wrong. He yeah. was utterly flawless. Right. And for a guy his age, and he's, he's not old by any means... 
Um, I mean, the, thirty-three. Yeah, kind of old. I don't know who's that old. Shit, kind of looks like cross between Robert Kubica and what's that fucking dude out of old school? Mitch, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. For a guy his age, he, he probably should have done more. But you look at what he's been doing. A lot of it's been in world endurance. Yeah. Um, mixed success there. He was quite good earlier on in Le Mans. Um, he had a best uh, season finish of third for Rebellion Racing. Uh, if you don't know who Rebellion Racing are, they have some spectacular looking cars. But... Um, yeah, he's kind of dropped off in the last five years, but he's shown a lot of skill yeah. um, and some beautiful overtaking manoeuvres uh, in this season of Formula E. Uh, he's been looking brilliant. So he's got that win along with one fastest lap, which was at Long Beach, so he had a good US campaign, yep. and two poles in the first two rounds. Yeah, well, he, he should have won the first race, but um, mm-hmm. he decided that he'd crash into Nick Heidfeld to make sure none of them won a race, so yeah. it wasn't terribly smart. But, um, he actually copped a 10-place grid penalty for that in the next race as well. So mm-hmm. if you look at he takes that win and doesn't have a 10-place grid penalty in the next race, could be completed from championship. Yeah, I mean, and the, the thing is, too, you look at his results, and even though he crashed, he still finished the race. He has He's the only driver in the, out of the competitors, or the potential champions, who has no DNFs and no weekends where he didn't score points. Yeah, and what's his, how many is he behind in the championship? What's that? Uh, 43 I have 46 areas down there but yeah um, obviously he's French um, going for EDM Renault seat Um, he used to be reserve driver for uh, no he still is sorry the reserve or test driver for Lotus Um, his history like you said has been in WEC Uh, did lots of Le Mans racing he was third in the Le Mans series in 2011 like Josh said for Rebellion Racing Um, they were a Toyota powered engine in the LMP1 category and, yeah, um, if he wins, I think it'll be interesting to see what Renault do in regards to their Formula activities because they've got two drivers in well, a very good chance of winning this championship. And it looks like they could wrap up their Formula 1 um, endeavours. And I think there's six French drivers in Formula E already. Well, that's the thing, too. Uh, Prost and Buemi are the only teammates out of the potential champions. Yeah. So, you know, that you'd have to say Prost, it's not going to happen for him because he'd need to win both races... Uh, and then hope PK crashes out for both races to have a, a good shot. And yeah. then if you throw in a couple of poles, a couple of fastest laps, he looks a little bit better. Yeah. But he's still depending on the PK having a shit weekend and Buemi and, and um, Degrassi and... Um, but where else? Oh, Buemi, Degrassi and PK having shit ones, pretty much. But um, look, it probably won't happen, but... What happens if he gets the call saying, mate, uh, you want to hold up the group a bit? If Boemi qualifies ahead of him, could he play a rear gunner role? Yeah. I'm pretty certain that Prost don't help teammates. So. Well, that's what I mean. Like his his dad so. is the team principal. So it would be him on the radio saying, uh, Nicolas, would you mind uh, just maybe holding back a little bit? Yeah, I think there's zero chance of that happening. Yeah. I think with a French team, with a French boss and a French driver, I think they're going to be going red, white and blue. All the way. <laughs> It'd be blue language if they asked him to slow down, I reckon. I think Boemi could be ahead of him, and they'll still ask Boemi to pull over for him. <laughs> so you're going to be teammate, mate. But yeah, um, so we'll move on to Boemi. Um, they, I tipped him a couple of weeks ago to be the eventual champion. Uh, he's sort of 
had mixed results in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his whole results, he has a couple of wins. Round three in Uruguay and round seven at Monaco, which yep. um, the Monaco lap was actually faster than the F1, mainly because they'd cut the track in half. But yeah, <laughs> they lost uh, that track, yeah. Yeah, they were kind of a bit concerned about the hairpin and the um, ascent up the hill there. But uh, still, it was good. It was just unfortunate we couldn't see him flying through the tunnel. Yeah, I think he got a couple of poles and a fastest lap as well to add to his points total. Yep, he's so. got a fastest lap from Moscow, two poles, uh, two DNFs and one no points, which hurt him. Yep. Uh, you know, if one of those DNFs, and the, the DNF in uh, Argentina, he was actually on pole four. And, you know, had, had he finished that race uh, with 25 points, he'd be the championship leader. Yeah, man, looking good going into the last round. Mm. Um, he's the teammate of Prost, who we said before, yeah, from Switzerland. So could be very neutral in the inter-team war there. Um, he actually is the reserve driver for Red Bull as well, or test driver, sorry. Um, he raced for Troy Rosso uh, from 2009 to 2011. He's won WEC Championship last year with Toyota Racing in the LMP1H um, category. So definitely got the talent to, to do it on track, just a matter of if he gets uh, the points he needs. Well, that's what I like. He, he's one of the unluckier drivers because he was taking it up to Sebastian Vettel when they were both in Toro Rosso's. Yeah. Um, Vettel ended up getting a a bit of a lucky win in the rain um, I'm going to stand by that being lucky yeah yeah. <laughs> and goes on to be a four time world championship which you probably can't say is luck because it happened four fucking times yep but he, he was quite possibly one of the top ten drivers on the F1 track and just fell away um, as soon as Sebastian kicked on he sort of disappeared because uh, Toro Rosso generally they only use for developing drivers for the big team and uh, he got the test driver role for Red Bull and never anything else. Yeah, I think they end up sticking in um, Jaime Aljaswari and Antonio Felix da Costa. I think they're stuck in there. I think both of them actually raced in Formula E this season as well. Aljaswari, yeah, he's out like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's done pretty good in Le Mans and WEC for Toyota Racing. He's got, uh, I think he finished uh, second in the 24 hours in 2013 and... Um, 2014 in the WEC he actually won it yep so he's still a phenomenal talent he's quite underrated I find but uh, look he's still my tip Um, for him to actually get up it's going to mean he has to pretty much beat PK heavily on the road yeah Um, but he's also got to beat Prost as well who's going to be his teammate fighting for a championship which makes it tough I mean who's going to get the optimal strategy from their team you wouldn't be confident if you're Boemi. Well, I guess it's, because it's two rounds, though. Um, it depends on what happens in the first round. Yeah, that's In the true. first round, Boemi's, you know, fortunate enough, things fall his way, and he gets the, the hat trick. He gets the fast lap pole and the win. You'd have to get behind him. Yep. Um, so what does he need to win the championship? Have we got that yet? Yeah, pretty much just needs to beat PK on the road. Okay. Um, as long as PK doesn't take home many points. If PK crashes out... Uh, which how uh, how karmic would it be if uh, Prost decides to rear end PK? Well, yeah, I mean, it well, could be pretty funny, but well, what's PK going to do? How do you do that to me? Well, you fucking did it. Yeah, that's true, and I mean, he got kicked out of that whole entire series <laughs> after that too. So, well, it's kind of hard to lose your job when your dad's the boss. That's it. So and the I mean, boss is probably safe. Well, even in the other one, it was Flavio Briatore, was team principal. He was actually Nelson PK's manager, so he's supposed to be looking after his career orders him to crash uh, so that Fernando can get the win and then gives him the sack. So fucking good job management there, mate. Yeah, cheers. 
Well, he's not known for being a soft touch, Flavio. Yeah. Well, he was managing Alonso as well, so I guess he had the pick team either way. Well, yeah, he's he's certainly not shy. Well, he never gone on hiatus after that as well, so there wasn't much lot, wasn't much faith behind him there. I think he actually still manages Alonso. Not certain though. But yeah, I'll, I've still got Buemi as uh, the winner. More out of I don't like going for the favourite to be honest. Yeah, I just can't I'm get behind. Same. I can't get behind PK Junior. Yep, I still can't go for Prost. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, moving on to Degrassi. Um, Degrassi can actually get beaten on one race and still win. Um, he's sitting second on 111 points. So he's only giving up 17 points, which means that if he gets double wins, yeah. he's looking pretty good. And that's it. Like, usually that would be a lot going into the last round, but with a double E-pre this season, uh, definitely a catchable margin. Yeah. Degrassi's only got one win, which is in the first round in China. Yeah. Um, with that one... Uh, he also has a DNF and a uh, disqualification. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he has that win in Berlin, he's leading the championship. But uh, as it stands, he got uh, he got disqualified uh, due to that non-standard front wing we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing you never take away from him, won the very first E-Pre ever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, good to have that. The Brazilian fella on the grid. Uh, he's racing for Audi Sport, isn't he? The... Yeah, Audi Sport ABT. He's actually another Formula One alumni. Drove for Virgin in 2010. Um, actually has the honour of crashing on a formulation lap, or the starting lap, on the <laughs> oh, way to the grid. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a feather you put in your cap there. Those skills come very handy in Formula E because there's lots of crashing and sideways action. Um, he's actually the test driver for Pirelli as well. I think they use a old the R30 chassis from Renault. Uh, I think they've updated it to a 2012 spec. So that's what he's doing outside of this car at the moment. Um, also finished second in the 24-hour Le Mans last year um, for Audi. So got the talent there. Um, doesn't mind getting a bit of sideways action. You should see him be very aggressive in corners and look to pull no punches, take no prisoners. Yeah, I mean, he's been around a while. Uh, he's 30 years old. Yeah. And he just hasn't managed to sort of crack the big time. He's always been just sitting around the outside. Yeah, wasn't he? You know, um, he's done some test drive roles. Yeah, he's been involved in Renault a fair bit, uh, Honda as well. Um, I think he even had a, a bit of a gig with Virgin for a while, and he was the Pirelli test driver that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, he's always been just waiting to come through. If he had money behind him, he'd be an F1 driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the Brazilian money tends to go to other drivers. Yeah, it tends to just go into pockets, I think. Well, that too. <laughs> Isn't maybe. there almost a revolution going on in Brazil at the moment? Pretty much. I know that from watching UFC, where every post-fight uh, interview... Translated from Portuguese, which is slamming the government. Mm. The thing is, so he's only had two fan boosts, um, oh, which yeah. was the first round that he won, yeah. and the last round where he finished second. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? If you're a Luca Degrassi fan, get on fan boost, uh, give him a couple of boosts. Get on Reddit, pull your money together, and <laughs> chuck it all on Degrassi, get his fan boost in there. Yeah, the, the problem is that Nelson Piquet Jr. has had a fan boost the last four weeks running, the yeah. last four Grand Prix. Um, and in those four, he's finished first, third, fourth, and first. I'm sure someone on Reddit knows how to hack that system, and they'll pass them on to Oriol Servia. Yeah, why not? You're not uh, not suggesting that Brazil has cyber criminals in there, are you? Well, no, they don't have money to gamble. I'm suggesting they come from <laughs> Europe or somewhere like Asia. But anyway, we'll chat about uh, PK Jr. Yeah. Um, does he have a sort of a racing nickname? Um, Nelsinho? Fuck knows. I don't know. Let's just call him the cunt. Pequeno. Um, <laughs> 
because I don't right, fair like enough. him very much. <laughs> um, well, that escalated quickly. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, intentional crashes and all that shit. Oh, we've got to get him excited for this this weekend. You need a bad guy, don't you? You need villains. You need yeah. villains. Um, so I've got Buemi as the hero and PK as the villain in the black hat. That's the way we're going to paint it. Yep. Uh, he's. I've heard he uh, actually murders small puppies. Yeah, the worst thing is usually I'd like to paint the English as the villain, but I actually don't mind Sam Bird, so... Yeah. Now I'll be behind him too. I think he's going to do fuck all because yeah. it's too far behind on points, but I still, I still like him. He's been a good racer. I have it on good authority that uh, to charge up that car, they actually have uh, slave children uh, winding a wheel <laughs> to generate electricity. Um, you know, I, that was on Facebook, so it must be true. Yep. But uh, yeah, he's got uh, two wins at Long Beach and at uh, Moscow. Hmm. And two fastest lap at Miami and Germany. So he had a decent USA trip as well. Yep. And he's managed to back it up a bit. He's only got one DNF, which has helped him, which is round two in uh, Punta del Este in Uruguay. But uh, he's been remarkably consistent. Hasn't finished below fifth every time he's finished. So uh, for all the other drivers yeah. that need him to drop down... Round two was Malaysia, I think. Hmm? Round two was Malaysia. Really oh, tired, so it yeah. was, sorry. Yeah. Um, all the drivers that need him to drop down could be struggling a bit. Uh, unless someone wants to jump on the grenade and uh, maybe give a bit of poetic justice yeah. um, because like we said Bohemian and Prost are the only teammates in there so there's a few other teammates flying around that uh, might be able to get a contract extension yeah. by uh, taking off of the team see what I want to see is uh, in the pits I want to see a camera permanently fixed on Nelson Piquet Senior and Alain Prost because those two had lots of battles on track when they were in Formula 1 back in the 80s um, if, for those who don't know Nelson Piquet is two time champion I think Prost notched, notched up four Um so, yeah, Nelson Piquet's racing for Nextev China, isn't he? Nextev China team. Brazilian fella. Um, drove for Renault in 2001, as we touched on at the start. Involved in the Crashgate scandal in um, Singapore with the Renault F1 team and Alonso and Flavio Briatore and Pat Simons all mixed up in that bloody shit fight. Um, he's also, interesting thing, he's coming fourth in the Global Rallycross Championship this year. So, doing a bit of multitasking, so... Probably explains why he's good with this crazy driving in Formula E if he's not mm. bad on the dirt and the sideways and the rallycross. Maybe he could chuck some groove tyres on the FE and do a bit of FE rallycross. Well, you know, whatever gets them uh, some entertaining, I guess. Well, I think Uruguay was on the beach, wasn't it? Like next to the beach. So you could, right just, there, yeah. you could just slip it on onto the dirt. Have oh, a, it's a, a gorgeous beach there lane. too. Oh, it's beautiful, wasn't it? Um, remember taking a trip there. Also, uh, there was one of the places where they got the markets nearby yep. and it's like an old style food market. I went there and they had this big four mica um, bench around yep. this big fire pit Yeah, and uh, my Spanish, not so great. And the conversion rate to Uruguayan pesos was crazy. So yeah. I didn't really understand the cost of anything either. But uh, I'm looking through and I'm just like, uh, ribs, I'll grab some, grab some ribs. And I figured, you know, pork ribs, lamb ribs or whatever. Yep. And they're like, oh, okay, uh, see and they put this big fucking rack of beef ribs on the thing. just, <laughs> And it's an open fire pit with like this rack on there and just throwing some sea salt on there. Just scorched them up, Jesus. put it on the plate, hanging over the fucking edges. It was at least 18 inches long. Delicious. Each rib. A big and, uh, some, fucking things. some chimichurri there. And fuck me, it was spectacular. That's the way to do a, a any sort of motor racing is get a big fucking fire, lots of meat, some beers. Oh, shit, yeah. I'm surprised those markets, you didn't see a couple of stripped down FE cars that have been chopped up, <laughs> sold off for parts or something. Could happen. Found a little something, something. But yeah, so look, if you manage to find yourself near Uruguay, go visit Formula E and go get the ribs. They're yep. fucking fantastic. But um, yeah, look, for, for PK to win, well, to see off um, 
to see off D'Ambrosio's hopes, he just really t- needs to take a pole. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a top five finish and he's done. Um, if he finishes fourth, Prost's done. Uh, if, he, if he gets a pole and, you know, finishes in the top ten, he sees off Buemi. Um, so it's going to be hard for him to fuck it up from here, isn't it? Pretty much, especially because he's got a double chance. Uh, even if he crashes out of one, you've already got a spare car. Yeah. Uh, and you'd imagine because it's a double header, there'd be more than one spare car as well. And with a championship on the line, you would think that you're going to cover those bases. I mean, yeah. there's going to be a lot of marketing value in the inaugural FE championship for team and driver. I mean, a lot of these people are second chance drivers out of Formula One, so it could be the reignition their career needs. Hmm. I'm not going to lie, I kind of hope that uh, PK fucks up the Saturday because yeah, it means a Sunday's yeah. going to be an all or nothing belter and yep. every point will matter. So every driver is going to want to get that fastest lap in. So as yeah. soon as they get a free a bit of open air in front of them, they're going to fucking cane it. They're going to wind that bitch right up yep. and they're going to try and scream through and get fastest lap. And because you're not losing fuel, your fastest lap can be any lap. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Your first, your last lap doesn't matter. And you see drivers turn the wick up a bit on the, the voltage yeah. and some of them haven't actually made the finish because they've used up too much uh, electricity. Exactly. So, you know, there is that because you've still got to finish the race. Yeah. A couple points of fast laps, no good if you don't finish the race. Yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting tactical battle. Yeah, well, that's the thing with the swap over in the cars is that you've only got a limited amount of battery life, but you can apply sort of the power of that battery um, pretty freely across how you want. So you could try and go flat out, but you might only last 10 laps. So on the second car, you might have a lead, but you've got to try and eke out that battery for way more laps than what you... Have already have already done so it's a very sort of it's a tricky fine line to walk to well, maximise it. Not dissimilar to tyre strategy yeah. in Formula One. Like, uh, do you go the longer lasting tyre yeah. and sacrifice yeah. time, or exactly. do you blow through them and do quality laps? Well, we saw was it, I think it was the last Formula E race where uh, was it Nico Prost? No, Monty Piquet. It was out in front and they sort of put the hammer down in the first stint and built up about a three or four second lead. And it really came back at the end of the race where they got caught up and someone else had a bit of fresher energy in their batteries and made a really exciting uh, end to the race. Yeah, uh, Piquet won that one and it was Degrassi was catching him very rapidly. Oh, there we are. Must have Piquet out in front, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, one of the other F1 drivers that we've seen a bit of is uh, Jean-Éric Verne. He missed the opening two races and yeah. he's in seventh, but he can't technically win the championship. But for the first two races, he wasn't even in the car. He wasn't even yeah. the driver that Andretti were expecting to use. Yep. Um, they had young Mr... They've used a fuck ton of drivers. I think Andretti have used, have they've used, used the seventh. most. Yeah. yeah, which is the most. Um, their first driver was Frank Montagne. Um, Frenchman. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, he won't be driving for them anytime soon because he's serving a two-year suspension for having cocaine metabolites in his system when he was tested after a race. Uh, they excluded him from the race. It was round two. Jesus. And uh, he's not getting a super license for two years. Uh, well, that race was in Malaysia, wasn't it? Yes. They're pretty fucking tough on drugs there, aren't they? I wouldn't uh, be taking cocaine there. Fuck. Yeah, come to think of it, Jesus. I think they're one of the death penalty places. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, yeah, maybe they just uh, did that for his own good. Well, you know, maybe maybe you should hire this dude. He's obviously got no fear. Stick him in a car, he's going to put a pedal to the metal, that's for sure. Yeah. But we look at... Um, the first couple there. Uh, he finished uh, second in the first race, Montagna. Uh-huh. So the car's decent. And Jean-Éric Verne obviously uh, took over that car afterwards. Yeah. And straight away, he's finished in the top 10, but with uh, a pole. And throughout his uh, season, 
he's seventh on fifty five, three poles, two fastest laps. Um no wins. Yep. But he's been remarkably consistent. No DNFs, no zero point weeks, and he's picked up uh, a handy second over at uh what was that one? Long Beach. Monaco, I think. No. Oh sorry, you're talking about Oh hand- sorry, it's Tacosta. Oh yeah. Oh. No. Sure has got a handy second in Long Beach. Uh and fastest lap in Monaco, which uh you know, if you're gonna really put the hammer down in Monaco, you've got to get a fucking ride or a shoot yeah. the wall. Yeah, exactly. Uh he did qualify on pole at Moscow, but went backwards a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh he's one of the unluckiest bastards because he was right up there with Ricardo uh last year, or yeah. year before last. Um Ricardo got the nod because in testing he showed he could keep pace with Vettel and it was kind of proven last year. Yeah. Um he's just one of those guys that was a bit unlucky. Well, his attitude sucks too. Yeah. Like hearing whining afterwards saying, you know, I know I can beat him, so I should have I should have got that job because I know it's like, but you didn't beat him. Mm. That's the whole point. You didn't. But so. uh, he's one of those also rands at the moment because he, he could have been up there in the championship points yeah. if he had have got the nod at the start. But uh, they've kept him, which think, is much more than Andretti's done for other drivers. Well, I think he's a test driver for Ferrari. So Ferrari mm. got that American connection at the moment through Haas. So maybe you might see Jev maybe... Slip across, do a bit of testing for uh, Haas when they get their car up and running for Formula One. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the only, it's only he and Montagne who've been in the number 27 car. Yep. Uh, the number 28 car, let's see, they started been a, with. Been a slut. They started be with Shao Pick. Yep. Uh, who did the first race, and then Matthew Brabham did the second and third. Uh, he was fantastic in the second race, I thought. And the third race, he crashed out on a really rookie sort of overtake, um, which is bitterly disappointing. He's only 21 years old. Uh, even though he's born and raised in the US, so we'll still claim him as Australian, just because his last name is Brabham. Yeah, fuck yes. Um, yeah, and after that, he kind of went back, um, did his own thing. But uh, yeah, he moved back into Indy Lights. And he's he's actually looking all right there. Oh, yeah. Is there a, oh, a Delara team? Yeah, well, they're all uh, Delara. He's Andretti as well, because Andretti are across Indy and Formula E. Oh, yeah. Um, he's been looking all right. Um, he hasn't had strong finishes, but he's only 21. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't got a, a whole lot of resume behind him, so you'd like to see him get a decent crack, uh, you know, a whole season at least. Well, he's got a whole lot of breeding behind him, though, because you, you look at um, other second-generation drivers, like your Villeneuve's, your uh, even Rosberg. Yeah. That's fine. But uh, Jack Brabham, his granddad, yeah. won a world driver's championship in Formula 1 in a car he fucking built. Yep. <laughs> uh, only bloke to ever do that. Yep. Uh, and the only team with a car that retired with 100% winning accuracy with the fan car, which technically was probably against the spirit of the rules and they ruled it out uh, and killed it off after yeah, that race. Following the rules is against the spirit of the rules in Formula 1. <laughs> Pretty much. But, um, yeah, he's got a, a pro master championship um, win, as in he was the series winner. Was he? Yep. Yeah. So he's... He's kicking goals everywhere. And that yeah. was in uh, 2003 for Andretti. So Andretti is sticking behind him. And oh. look at his results there. He, he won all bar three races out of 16 rounds. Jesus. So he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, and, you know, besides his granddad, his dad has won Le Mans. Um, oh, where are we? His uh, uncles have won fucking everywhere. They've, there's very few series they haven't been involved in. Yep. So it's just crazy uh, the amount of motoring experience in that family I mean shit he could have a whole pit crew of just people he's related to well I mean I think the only, the only thing with wheels that their family hasn't raced is trains pretty much but um, 
Yeah, after Brabham, they had uh, Marco Andretti for a bit. He gave a break from uh, Indy and had a crack and didn't really achieve a shit ton. But um, look, you know, they're trying to source it around a bit. And uh, after that, Scott Speed got four races. He did pretty decent in his first one at Miami. Um, you know, I think he hangs out there a fair bit. Yeah. So he finished second and then retired and was kind of well down the list after that in 12th and 13th. Uh, after that, they used Justin Wilson, who was probably just the nearest bloke they had. Oh, he's the IndyCar champion, championship driver, isn't he? Yeah, but I, I don't think he's really uh, going to benefit much from Formula E. But, uh, you know, he had a bit of a crack at it. Fair play to him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's driving for Andretti and IndyCar. And uh, now they've got Simona de Silvestri, which I'm actually pretty excited by. I think she is a, a very talented driver. And... Look, uh, if you want to see females in top-end motorsport, which IndyCar's getting quite a few women in, yeah. um, giving her a, a crack at it is ridiculous. She's only 26. Yeah. Um, they've given her the, the name the Iron Maiden just because she's so damn cool under pressure, which is very yeah. a, a, very much a Swiss thing to do. Yeah, so she's racing IndyCar for Andretti at the moment. So Yeah, and she's been doing pretty well. Um, we look at her results there, and she's got really? you know decent amount of points. Not Nothing spectacular. But uh, well, she's yeah, had... it's not that good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's only really had three rounds. And uh, prior to that, uh, in 2013... She's about due. She's about due for some good results, yeah. let's be honest. Well, in 2013, she finished 13th. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty decent. Not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, and the thing with her, too, once I access the research, um, in IndyCar, she's got three starts, 18th, 4th, and 19th. Uh, but that's with 33 cars on track. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, for yeah, out of the gates, it's pretty good racing. Yeah, and she finished 19th at Indy 500, which, you know, it, it's an endurance sprint race, essentially. Yeah, and so, a lot of pressure behind that race as well. It's got the history. Yeah, and there's always screaming crashes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she's going to be exceptionally good. Um, do we know, if, is she racing this weekend, or are they sticking with... No, she's doing both races. Oh, awesome. Um, so, it's going to be interesting, because yeah. she hasn't... Well, she would have driven the car in testing or something. Yeah. But uh, she hasn't actually had a Formula E race yet. Yep. So, for whatever reason, they've decided, yep, we're going with her. Probably because uh-huh. most of the people were competing in India and said, fuck you off. Yep. But uh, I think she could actually do quite well. Yeah. Well, it's just going to come down to staying out of all the trouble that's around there and still trying to protect your your track space. And Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how she goes. I'm kind of looking forward to it as well. I'm going to keep an eye on it just because I want to see if she beats John Eric Vern. Because <laughs> he will lose his fucking shit. Yep. Like, uh, pack it in. He's a very fairly arrogant bloke anyway, but you get the arrogant Frenchman and, you know, they're kind of known for... And, and the Swiss. <laughs> well, yeah. The French and the Swiss kind of don't see eye to eye on a few things. Um, and the, the French machismo might uh, object to being beaten by a, a younger lady. And I think she can do it. Yeah, she's definitely up there with a chance. But, uh, it's going to be fucking interesting. <laughs> So, the London track, is that we're up to? Yep. Um, it's in Battersea Park, isn't it? Um, yep. Sort of sandwiched between the Thames River and Prince of Wales Drive, um, just across from Chelsea. Uh, 17 turns this track. It's not, I mean, it doesn't look like the most exciting track on paper, but I think it's been set up very well for Formula E, where you can't have too much twisty-turny stuff because your batteries aren't going to last the whole race. You need to have a bit more free-flowing. But there's enough um, sort of corners that will start overtaking. So enough 
kind of straights that might have a little bit of a bend and then into running or corners. So I think it'd be conducive to some in- interesting racing. I think the pit lane is really interesting with how they set that up. Well, yeah, um, because it runs perpendicular to the the main straight of the um, start finish line straight. Yeah. So you get in there and then pretty much drive away from the track. Yeah. Uh, go to your garage, switch over, and then drive back towards it. Yeah. Uh, you don't see that very often, but mm. so I guess with you know space being at a premium. Yeah. Uh, especially considering they're in central London, um, which is. That's, that's another thing about Formula E. They're able to go to these areas because yeah. it's, it's quieter. Uh, you're not increasing petrol fumes and everything. So yeah. it's, it's spectacular to have because we saw Moscow. The backdrop there was brilliant. It yeah. was perfect. You had the, the Kremlin in the background. That was awesome, yeah. It was um, really, really sensational. The big cathedral there as well. Mm. And it's a sort of showpiece you can really do. I, I would yeah. love to see them flying across City Harbour Bridge. Yeah. They had a couple of bummers where they held it at sort of abandoned airport terminals, which I thought yeah. was pretty fucked. But uh, I think that was Russia and might have been Germany as well. Um, I think they got to step the game up with that shit. So, you know, well, yeah, I think, sorry, no, it wasn't Russia, was it? It was Germany and someone else. Anyway. Probably pay less attention to the Lonely Planet yeah. Guide and maybe go visit it yourself. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, what is it? 2.2, just under 3Ks, 29 laps. Um, yeah, I'm pretty looking forward to it. Anti-clockwise are going around this track, aren't they? Yeah. And the thing with it too, like we mentioned before, it's a double race. They're not uh, qualifying, they're doing reverse grid or anything. Yeah. It's two full days of full race meeting. So every morning they're up, uh, they've got practice uh, one and two, practice one's at eight in the morning, practice two at ten. Yep. And then they've got qualifying groups. So that's the other thing with Formula E too. They qualify in groups, so you don't get blocked on track. Yeah, which I mean, especially you've seen the circuits, they get really thin in some parts. And they're also generally a shorter circuit than Formula 1 sees. Um, and then, you know, they've got the uh, announcement of fan boost and then the race. So you're open to vote on the fan boost as well. We just go to the website and we have a big banner there saying vote for fan boost. So have a crack. Yeah, just don't vote for PK Jr. Yeah, no. Um, you know, and we say that as completely unbiased... Uh, I, I don't know what the verbal equivalent of air quotes is, but uh, journalists. Those ones, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is going to be a spectacular race, especially if uh, PK manages to get fucked up a little bit on Saturday. Yeah, that's what you want to see. Which could entirely happen. His uh, ability to handle pressure has been questioned previously. Yep. Um, and m- who knows, maybe some smart ass managed to hack into his radio and say, uh, Nelson, we need you to crash into the wall. Really? Okay, bang. Could be some back... back- behind the scene deals going on as well with some back markers <laughs> or someone else stick in uh, reverse wouldn't that be hilarious I but, don't know plug your iPhone into their car use a battery <laughs> charge it up. Shit. <laughs> I but, think this one's actually powered by solar energy for the first yes, time yeah they've uh, generated the power with solar yeah which so, is fantastic yeah it's going to be you know the, it's going to be the way of acceptable motor racing yeah um and this is the sort of... It can bridge the gap between people who are like, oh, no, no that's dirty, disgusting, motor racing, loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And people who appreciate good racing. And it's going to be interesting seeing those people find something else to be uh, against racing for. You know what I mean? Because generally they just don't like the people who like racing as opposed to the series itself. And look, you know, the, there's always going to be certain snobs because in all fairness, I think the there's not a lot of crossover between yeah. the V8 supercar... Uh, guys up on Mount Panorama and the people in the uh, F1 paddock with uh, tag Hoyer watches on. It's it's okay to choke those people too. Yeah, but it's good to see both groups can still watch nice, tight racing and enjoy it. Yep. Uh, And I think Formula E can be another bridge as well, which will uh, extend to people who maybe 
watched the Tour de France. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine much more boring, to be honest. But, you know, if they want to check out four-wheel racing, uh, they could certainly do worse than having a look at Formula E. I mean, you probably see some chicks in tights instead of guys in tights too. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you've got to see well, that from Tour de France. Is Tour de France on at the moment? Oh, I don't care. No, I don't care. Also, if you're, you know, hang on, no, Ash hasn't started, is it? Yeah, it's uh, next week. Next week. Oh, there you go. Well, this will be the probably last bit of excitement you'll get in London uh, for the next couple of months. So, probably best get around it. Yeah. Oh, look, it will be genuinely fantastic. Um, there's emerging drivers. There's drivers who've been in Formula One. Um, there's a few drivers that probably should have made more of themselves. <coughs> yep. Bruno Senna. <laughs> but uh, look, regardless, you're going to see guys flat out, uh, guys and girls, yep. going flat chat, getting every point they can. Because uh, yeah. even if you're not in championship contention, if you can finish top four, top five, yep. you're going places. Because uh, you can guarantee the Formula One owners are looking at these races. Absolutely. And with uh, Haas coming in next year, you know, they, they're looking for drivers. Um, yeah. And hey, no F1 driver's secure. Unless you win the driver's championship, yep. and even then sometimes, you're, you can't guarantee on a job, even if you've got a contract. Exactly. I mean, money talks... Um Old mate might have some fairly strong money back from, from Colombia with the cocaine metabolites in there. He might know some powerful people, get himself a F1 seat for next year. Well, well, he, he can't. He's suspended for two years. Oh, that's just a matter of... He'll have to wear someone else's helmet. Cash, cash in Todd's back pocket? <laughs> I think Todd's got a fair bit of cash in his back pocket, to be honest. <laughs> he can probably stand a light in the load a little. I think he's in the back pocket of a few blokes with cash. Yeah. I mean, one other bloke that I wish was still going around was uh, Takuma Sato. Um, he had a DNF in the first... <laughs> so does Takuma Sato. <laughs> he had a DNF in the first race. He's going around Indies and actually very strong around there. But uh, he had the fastest lap in that race. Um, so he turned up, didn't even finish a race, and he's still beating uh, another 10 drivers. Well, at least he knows that if he really wanted to finish a race, he'd probably better run. Well, finishing races isn't exactly what he's known for. Um, no. He is spectacular to watch, uh, just because he's bonsai kamikaze sort of yeah. behaviour. Um, I think he's the sort of guy that even Kobayashi goes, fuck, man, this dude's out of control. <laughs> I still remember he's um, one-handed uh, drive around the embankment of the old... Wasn't they had the... I think it was... Is it Indy or Canada, Canadian Grand Prix? Uh, Indy. Yeah, where they go on the inside of the Indy track and then onto the banked part for a little bit. Yeah. He's doing that one-handed, <laughs> just on his lap. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's all right. 
Oh, he is a loose cannon, but uh, he, he's done all right in um, Indy. Yeah. Uh, he's he's oh, yeah, got a couple bad. of podiums, yeah. but uh, you know he is thirty-eight years old. He's yeah. uh, pretty much been there, done that for everything. Mm. Um, I actually like watching him race. Yeah, me too. So maybe he's one of the guys that could really ramp up <laughs> PK. Yeah. Uh, he may not even mean to. He might just be doing. Just get bored. Well, the back. yeah, and yeah. He, he's not even supposed to race. But fuck, if he turns up, who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I genuinely think this is going to be a spectacular race, and honestly, it'll be a better spectacle than the last few F one races. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see you there, and we'll do a, a wrap up afterwards, yep. and. Hopefully it won't be for PK winning. No. So 1 a.m. Sunday and Monday morning it's on. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, Set your timers it. and catch you later. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.